0: Goffkin Bond listeners, welcome back, episode 94, and today I'm again with Matt, and Matt, the reason I don't have Tony on the line is today we're talking about money mistakes, and I raised this topic with Tony the other day, and he said if he had to talk about the money mistakes that he's made with cars and suits in his life, that we'd be going on for about three hours here, so... He pretty much ruled himself out because he, he he couldn't talk about all the cards that he's bought in his lifetime. <laughs> he does have some nice
1: watches and he does have some nice suits. So I think that's money well spent, Tony. Come on.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree. When you're coming in looking that sharp, you've got to be <laughs> happy. But – Matt, we're, we're sort of going to yeah peel it back a little bit today and, and have a bit of a different conversation. And it's not always rosy for people. Um, we you know There's mistakes that are made and we've made mistakes in our personal lives. And we'll go through a few of those and have a bit of a laugh along the way. Um, but you also, I guess, from an advisor point, talk about some of the mistakes that you've seen from a client level um, and some different ways that they could have gone about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be funny to just kind of, we're human as well. We've made poor choices, you know, in our youth about money. And I thought it'd be cool to share some of those today. And also, yeah, just some stories that I've seen from clients and, you know, potentially how they've gotten in their own way with those decisions. But uh, do you want to start with you, Jamie? What, what's kind of been your sort of worst financial mistake, I guess?
0: Well, I was saying to you, I, I haven't really made any big dumb money decisions because I think my my mad decisions come from not getting to the point of having big money to spend on dumb decisions. So I always laugh. I, I spent a few years working before I come down to uni and, and did really well at saving a lot of money to come down um, and made sure when I got here, I guess my dumb decision was to stop working and really enjoy uni life um, and burn through that money pretty quickly. Uh, you had on top of that a trip to Europe and yeah, there was points where I was ringing mum uh, at about 2am to transfer me money for beers. Um, the question was, why don't you go home? But I think I think that's where my mistakes were not understanding the impacts of what I was doing um, with my money and, you know, I- impacting my lifestyle and, you know, m- making dumb decisions where I could have continued to work and, and have good savings um, moving forward. So that's, that's where I found some real problems in my youth um, of, of just not having an understanding of what having a... Bit of cash behind you could do in the future once you started working, um, especially when looking at things like property. Don't be hard on yourself,
1: mate. I think we've all <laughs> <I> think we've, <laughs> yeah. been there. we've all we've all had sort of blowouts in our youth, and but it is important, you know, the the, the clients of mine that really got started in their twenties, you know, when they're sort of in their thirties, oh my god, the options are so much broader on what they can do. Yeah, and then you've got cheap access to credit. I mean, if you did need to buy a new car, you could go and get a personal loan, sure. Or you could borrow it against, you know, equity in the property. Now we know that, you know, interest rates at the moment are so low, and obviously that's over longer periods of time. But um, even to buy cars can be really cheap and effective if you're willing to hold on to the car because you've got access to credit. Um, but anyway, talking of cars, I want to share my- <laughs> I
0: was <laughs> going to say, this is, is, I think cars is the topic which is everyone's money mistake. So we were just having a laugh about yours before, so I'd love to hear it.
1: Yeah. Oh man. So. I was probably, I think I was 18, 19, something like that. And um, I was pretty lucky. I, I sort of got to borrow, lived with um, my parents earlier before that and um, obviously got use of their car. and It was time to buy my own car. Anyway, I thought I'd got a loan for about, I think it was about $15,000 or something. Uh, personal loan, interest rate was I think 14 or 15%. And I went and bought a, 300, a Nissan 300ZX, Two seater sports car. <laughs> <laughs> did, you
0: know, you have, did you even fit in that? <laughs> I did
1: actually. It was um, it was a bit of space, but uh, so it was this kind of cool shaped thing. I thought, I'll, I'll do it while I can, you know, like because you know you never you don't know what what happens in life. I'm going to go and enjoy this this kind of car, but it sort of turned out to be a bit of a bomb. It, it had its issues, um, and I think it was about. 20, uh, I found out I was going to be a father and uh, was pretty excited, but didn't have the right car for starting a family. So bought this car for about 15000 had it in shoes all the way through. And then it was time to obviously trade this car in or try and sell it privately. Couldn't sell it, had to trade it in. I think trade-in trade in price was about $4,000. <laughs> <laughs> so within about two years, I think I lost about $11,000 on a car.
0: On a second hand
1: car. Something like that. Uh, It was, um, it was, it was diabolical and it was good that that probably happened because I was like, I'm never doing that again. Like I'm just, cars don't make sense. And there's not been one situation where I've seen since where a, a car has made sense.
0: So what, what are you driving now, Matthew?
1: Well, I'm actually running an experiment at the moment. I sold my car during COVID because I actually wasn't driving. Um, and this is gonna sound crazy, but I've got I've got three kids. So you'd imagine I'd need wheels quite a bit. Um, I'm actually trialing at the moment by using go So where I live, I'm in a very... Um, it's pretty pretty central to everything. So I've got buses, but I've also got six Go-Gets literally within like a 30 second walk. So what I'm doing doing at the moment is trialing these Go-Gets. And to be honest, it's great because I'm not using a car that much. And the cool thing about Go-Get is you only use it when needed. Um, and I've got this really thing, bad thing in my head with cars now that you know you pay to buy the car, you know it's going to go down in value, you have to pay the the government to register it, you have to pay an insurance company to insure it. Like, just purely on that alone, you're like this this can't be right. And then you get and this is my worst part. I was getting parking tickets everywhere. <laughs> it costs money to park it anywhere. So when you weigh all those things up and you look at a car, you're like, and, and it goes down in value. Like what? So anyway. What I'm doing at the moment is trialing this GoGet and it's a great system for all those people that try it out there. Give it a go.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's working as that. Are you spending much money on it?
1: No, not at all. So I don't do any registration. Um, you, no maintenance? Nothing. GoGet take care of it. So you just pay for when you use it. And I'm literally surrounded by six different vehicles. So I'm actually really loving that at the moment. It's quite liberating not having to park a car, to be honest. Um, Fantastic. So yeah, I'm trialing that at the moment, but I'm sure I'll have to get something soon.
0: So from a budget, I guess, spending as a kid and things like that, were you pretty switched on from a young age? Um, I guess you you started working in the industry at a fairly young age. So what were you like in regards to budgeting?
1: Um, mixed. <laughs> um, obviously, like having kids young is, uh, you know, it's a pretty tough one, you know, trying to get, get ahead. So that yeah. was, um, you know, everything's going towards the family and, and kids and the like. But um, got a lot better as time's gone on. I found that helping other people, do it has helped me do it if that makes sense yeah um, but yeah starting to get a lot more I, I trial a lot of things for myself first as well like for example the go get scenario and then i recommend that sort of thing to clients if if they're looking for new ways to do things um you know structuring of bank accounts and, and those kind of things so yeah I, I like to trial it but yeah i've got a lot better as time's gone on um some of the other mistakes i've made is sort of not holding stocks long enough um been a few times where i got it like i'll go do something different or i'll reinvest that into my company or and i was like i probably really should have kept going with that strategy um and again hindsight's a beautiful thing but yeah some of those items i look back on and go but wow i got in my own way i really should have just taken myself out of the equation or and again that's why i've sought advice for myself is to have that third party that tells me kind of probably what i already know but it kind of does reiterate some of your decision-making and what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. So,
0: yeah. And have you found, I guess we sort of discussed and not to talk about an individual stock, because I think we've all had our ups and downs on those. Um, but sometimes clients can become focused on buying that individual stock and trying to make it big.
1: Yeah. Sort of touched on our last podcast too, like some of the biases that come with that. Yeah. Um, I sort of thought this analogy the other day, why try and pick the needle in the haystack when you can just buy the haystack? Um, do you know what I mean? Like you can buy ETFs now that give you really nice coverage over a particular theme, um, a, a whole stock market, a uh, sector. Like you've got all these things at your disposal. Why try and pick, like cherry pick one? And yes, we can see dramatically more upside in you know, picking one stock, but you also see that downside. Correct. So your, your ups and downs are so much more available to you if you're just picking one stock. Why not buy the haystack?
0: And and you're right at it more emotionally too, I think, when you're backing that one company um, and you're just waiting. And especially when you see the downside, um, our emotions come into play at that point.
1: It it does. It amplifies the upside, amplifies the downside. And look, I don't mind people buying direct stocks. Absolutely. I think it's a great thing and people should take action. But I think if you're looking for outcome-driven investment, um, you, you need to have a nice parcel or nice diversification with your stocks. Um, or you could just borrow, or you know, and, and buy into an index and and get a nice spread, nice diversification. Um, so I don't particularly like it when people borrow money to buy stocks. I don't. I, I prefer it if they buy borrow money to put into like an ETF or an index, where it's just a much better outcome. But again, you need to seek advice if that's right for you. But yeah, yeah. So what
0: what's some other what's some other mistakes you've seen? I guess from a client level, and we won't go into too uh, too specific details on the client, mm-hmm. but. You know, what's some ones that you've seen where they've made a mistake early um, and it's come back to buy them in the new
1: <laughs> I had one client who um, had a deposit for an investment property. It was going yep. back years. Um, and had the ability and we'll, we're going through that process. So we had all the the ducks lined up. We had pre-approval. We started the search looking for a property. Um, and I didn't know at the time, but the client, it like it was taking a while to find the property um, and, and that's okay. And we're very upfront about that. But then the client went and bought a car and um, spent quite a bit on the car. And to be honest, that really crueled his ability. But we couldn't buy a property after that because yeah. the, the loan would not have gone through. And he used some of the capital that we'd set aside to buy the property. Now, that that car now is probably more than half of its value. I think this is about four years ago. Um, and if I think about what, if we did shares or property in that time, what the differential would have been, it's such a poor decision. Um, and that car doesn't, doesn't serve you. Yeah, you, you need to be buying things that serve you. And if you're going to borrow money to buy something, buy something that goes up in value, for God's sake. Don't buy something that goes down in value. So um, that was one thing I, that really bothered me. And I, I wonder what I could have done differently in that process to, to you know, maybe stop him making that mistake. But I, I just didn't get to him in time. So, um, yeah, that really frustrates me. But some other things I've seen is um, sometimes people wanting to buy a cafe um i've seen that pop up quite a bit where people have this kind of goal of buying a cafe and the cash flows didn't sort of stack up and yeah we've talked a few clients out of those things luckily um other mistakes i've seen typically involve cars uh what else have i seen
0: have you seen clients where um you know they've come for advice and they've they've sort of taken it away and believed that they can do things better themselves and have sort of gone against your advice while working with you um, and it sort of led them to bad decisions. Uh, like I, I've, seen, I've seen here where um, we've had a client, well, it actually wasn't a client, but they'd sort of, they'd, they'd gone to seek advice from somebody else and thought that they could do it cheaper on another end, going to get budget insurance essentially. Um, and then we've had to do a lot of work on the other end to try and help them out. The stresses that's caused them, Um, just for trying to save a few dollars and going against a a correct policy. Um, Have you seen that on your end? Um, The worst I've seen is off the plan properties. Yeah.
1: Um, And look, that's, I mean, that's a very generic statement. Some obviously do work and it it goes well, but um, some of the ones I've seen where there's been an oversupply and a client's been recommended a property that was off the plan and the, the, the valuations haven't stacked up. And then they've come to me and, you know, we're trying to get them out of this, situation. So um, that, that's bothered me. Um, I've typically sort of stayed away from that. Um, that sometimes worries me. I like existing properties that show uh, uh, in locations that show 20 year historical growth. Yeah. Um, well, we've got the stats on that. If it's a new area and it's a new building, we don't have any statistics to go by to see how that's going to perform. So we want to buy in areas that, you know, no, we know where people want to live. We know that, that half the people there are at least um, owner-occupier owners in those areas. So there's just these little like fundamental rules that you've got to have when you approach finance. And I think once you've got them in place, you, you stick to it because then yep. you can be really objective about your decision making. Um, but we're not talking about good things; we're talking about mistakes. So <laughs> but you are
0: you are right. I and mean, like when I look at Melbourne, and you know, there, there's been some great developments um, that we've been a part of in really uh, identified areas where they, their need for development is. Um, but then there's also been times where you look around Melbourne and I know I used to rent in an area um, and the amount of apartments they're putting up in that area without the public transport and you're never going to get your return on them. And I, I can't imagine a return happening in the next 10 years on these properties um, because of the actual, like the oversupply. Um, and we've seen that, I guess, in Melbourne down the docklands and in certain areas as, as well in Abbotsford. So... You, you know, that's where you have to have someone giving you the proper advice um, when looking at this thing. Because if it seems too good to be true, it probably is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've made, one of the mistakes I made early on when I sort of set up my own business. So we're going back 15 years or so. Um, and this is good for all the sort of self-employed listeners out there or thinking about going into your own business. But um, I didn't put away, you know, sort of 30 to 40% of the gross revenue coming into the company away for bass and, and um tax so obviously your GST
0: yeah
1: so I think it was my first quarter of business and um, I got this I was talking to the accountant and he's like oh by the way you've got this bill here and you've got to pay this and I was like why do I have to pay that for (laughs) (laughs) I was aware of it but I didn't know why it was just happening each quarter I I kind of expected it to be yearly I guess but Yeah. yeah so one of the things that caught me out was that oh I've really got to put away for this every every quarter Um, So often what we have is when we have sort of clients coming to us that are starting up their own businesses is that have your main business account, but then have um, like your GST account or your tax account or whatever you want to call it, separate bank account. Um, And what you want to do of every invoice that you receive into the company, you want to put, you know, 30 to 40% into that other account. Don't touch it because that is there to pay for those bills. Um, A lot of people get mistaken that, you know, we charge an invoice plus GST. It's not our money. Not all of that is our money. We've obviously yep. got to pay the GST back to the government, but we've also got to pay the tax component. So um, to get to start really well and to create really good habits, we ask that clients put away you know, that sort of percentage away into that other account. And believe me, if you do that, you'll last a lot longer than two years because I think most businesses don't make it past the two-year mark. And I'm sure it's because of the GST and tax um, structuring that actually starts to put them in arrears. Actually- and if you start
0: on if you start on that habit too, Matt, I, I believe it's you know like when when you start to make your mind think that well that's not my money, um, you start to actually work on the money that you're keeping in the other side of the business. And I've seen that I, I've seen that, especially being a country person. And I feel like the, the classic accountant line is, you know, when they get to tax time, um, instead of you know when you look at sole sole traders and you know companies starting out and things like that. They pay their employees, um, if they're not sole traders, but companies pay their employees superannuation, but then the actual business owner refuses to pay themselves in superannuation. Um, and we see time and time again when they're sort of reaching up high to retirement, they might have a good business, but they've got no money in super and no money put away for their retirement and more money is being put back into the business. And sometimes that business might not be the type of sellable asset that they believe it is. Um, and, you know, I, I love the classic example when it comes to tax time. If, Go buy some more equipment, or go buy some new tools, and it's like, well, hang on. You can be getting a deduction by putting it into your superannuation, so you're actually paying yourself to get a tax deduction. So that's yeah. I see I see that mistake time and time again. Um, and
1: quite on actually, it's a great point that you know a lot of us when you have a business, it is your baby, and you you do more and more for the business as opposed to, to yourself sometimes. Um, and yeah, it's a really good point that business owners really need to be doing assets outside of the company. That are ultimately going to serve them as an individual Um, and really the company is another entity it is not you it doesn't serve you you serve it so it's very important to separate that and it's a really good point you raised that yes they need to be pumping money into super Um, there's been a few years there where you know a lot of self-employed people didn't pay their own super because it wasn't regulated it wasn't as controlled but obviously those new rules have changed which is really good it's enforcing that you know people put money into super it was a bit of a gray area for a while yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I just think they really need to be doing something else. And the best thing, I think, if you can look at an com- entire lifespan of someone, the earlier you get started, whether it be shares or property, borrow money as, as cheaply as you can and have it sitting there and doing something for you. Like that's really it, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. I talking to my parents about the, one of the houses they bought. Um, and I think it might have been like $40,000 or something. And the ability that they could have bought one of the other houses around the area was brought up. Like, could they have bought their house and then bought another one and and had it as an investment? And if you had the ability to do that and then you sat on that property for 30 years, job done. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't want to just buy anything and we want the cash flows to stack up and it has to be the right data behind the right investment. But like, you just have to be doing something else (laughs) outside of the house you live in as well. Um, And yeah, a lot of people, I've I've seen actually a few elder um, couples as well, and they've been sitting on like their properties would have been worth, you know, $5 million, but they don't have cash flow. Like they're struggling whether they can actually go out for that breakfast or coffee. Yeah. That's not wealth. No. It's all tied and bolted to the floor. And, you know, my question was, well, what did you, did you ever get any advice to do anything else? And the accountant that they had at the time who they trusted said, no, no, just pay off the mortgage. Well, that's great. But that's
0: all there is. <laughs> I was um interesting. I was listening to NetWealth's podcast the other day um, and they were sort of discussing that how advice may be becoming sort of, you know, unaffordable for people and that everyone's looking at low cost option as being the best. But, you know, when you actually pay for advice, you get good advice and you make good decisions um, yeah, I appreciate- and try, trying to find that little, and they were talking about, I guess, performance fees and things like that. And we don't charge performance fees in here, but, this actually saying it seems to be a swing towards it um, in certain funds. And the reason for that is because, yeah, you're paying for proper advice and, and you're looking for the best. And, you know, if you're starting out, tr- try to find the best so you're not making those mistakes. You, you can't afford not to get advice. Correct.
1: That, that's my, like, you've got to be doing something and we, we aren't always right in our own opinions. We, we might think we're right, but unless you talk to someone externally objectively about that, my my belief is you can't afford not to get advice.
0: Yeah,
1: and I, I, I can agree What more. we charge, as as opposed to what the the compounding benefit is, is absolutely minuscule. And I think that's just you know once we obviously explain that to clients it they make it makes sense. But yeah, yeah, for for people out there that don't have an advisor, you don't you've got to be doing something at least have a conversation.
0: Yeah, and and I think we were talking about biases last week, and I think yeah, if you don't have an advisor, you're you're sticking to your own guns, and you're reading the news that you want to read, and we we're talking about you know Facebook will show you what you want to see, so you know you keep seeing that same information, and you just keep going down that rabbit hole.
1: You don't know what you don't know, Jamie. Correct. Um, and you know I'm not going to read a Google article and go, oh great, I I'm going to be able to do this surgery on myself, no problem. <laughs> and no, I'm going to just outsource because that's not my place. It's I don't know that. Um, So, yeah, it's really interesting what we're like as people. But, yeah, the the big mistakes is obviously doing nothing too, you know. How many times have you seen people that were were in a position, uh, didn't act on it, and then they've come back, you know, eight years later and they're like, okay, now we're ready. And it's like, well, you've burnt eight years. The options are now diminishing for you.
0: Yeah, and I think that's when we talk about mistakes, that's a mistake I've definitely made um, and and talked about it but not taking action. It's, you know, I remember getting – you know I've had certain jobs before here and that as well and you know I was making some decent money sometimes and it was like oh like why would I have to worry about it now I'm only young like I'm sort of looking for my my future job and it was eating lunch out every day and drink like the money I was blowing just incredible um and and not taking action it was you know just putting cash away um bank account was my only investment and I believe that that was the only way forward for me because I and, I, and if I'd seeked advice and actually done some more research myself, um, and I think that's the key, but, you know, before even seeking advice, you start doing a little bit of research yourself to, to get an understanding, but, you know, an advisor is really going to help in that regard. Oh, yeah.
1: And don't get credit cards if you can't. If you, if you can get away with not having a credit card, don't have one.
0: Credit cards, zip pay, after pay uh, away from them.
1: Yeah, it just sets up a false reality in your mind, you know, that you're, you're now paying with today's dollars, for arrears fund, if that makes sense. Yeah. So Why, you know, all the fund that you had last month that you put on the credit card, you're now using the money you're receiving today to now pay off last month's fund. That is, you don't want to get into a cycle where you're in arrears on payments. You want to be in advance of payments or using real time money, paying your bills and knowing what's left. Yeah. And too many times that by having credit cards, it actually distorts that entire view of money. Um and that's where sometimes people easily fall into that trap and then to get out of it is so hard because you're still in a risk. So yeah. to get back to neutral, sometimes there's some like little things we need to do to get them back to neutral then to get the good behaviors happening. So it is a real trap and you know that's probably one of the biggest things I've seen is credit cards for sure. yeah I and
0: I think so as well. I, I've seen that countless of time countless times to credit cards to go on holidays, um, credit cards to buy new clothes um, and, and just getting to a point where they're paying such high interest because they actually don't understand what they've done um, and they can never catch up. Some people, yeah. you know, they, they actually, you know, there, there are ways to help that if you've got yourself into a problem. Yeah, but,
1: but Irrespective of being a high income earner or not, I've seen, I've seen it across the board. Yeah. Um, I had actually one client and I definitely will not um, give too much information, but... Um, really well-paying job. Um, actually, had it's pretty pretty honest, and had a sort of a drug habit and a gambling habit. Uh, and what we did was, it kind of got to the point where it wasn't safe for him to get paid his own money. Yeah. And and I can't stop those habits. I mean, that's that's up to the individual. But what I could do is try and work with him to try and get him. And he had nothing to show for this, you know, really strong income. So what we did was we set up another bank account that he couldn't see or touch. And for him to get money back, he had to call. So what happened was, I think it was about nine, we worked out it was like 95% of his wage went into this other account that was kind of like, what you would call like a gatekeeper approach where he can't touch it. And then he got, he received the other 5% of his wage into his bank account. And that's all he had to get by. Magic formula. He saved a lot of money in that account I didn't, the, the calls got less and less because we didn't want him gambling. We didn't want him using that for the wrong reasons. Within two years, he had an amazing amount of money there to actually buy. We ended up buying a property for him. Um, but what was most pleasing about that whole experience was the gambling habits actually dropped off because he purely didn't have access to the money. And um, the drug habit slowed down again, purely because he didn't have the money. Yeah. So um, I haven't, I'm not working with that client anymore. That was a few years ago now, but... Um, it's it's we it's just proof that we are sometimes our biggest enemy when it comes to money
0: yeah i i've definitely seen that and, and it can escape you pretty quickly um and you can as you said when you keep taking when you're trying to catch up um and you're paying high interest rates it just doesn't work
1: no and look you sometimes you've got to have out of the box ideas around these things and how to how to fix it up but um, there's some of the mistakes I thought that would be pretty funny to kind of share some of those and it'd be interesting to see if we got any comments um when you post these about other people's mistakes
0: um, I'd, yeah I'd love I'd love if- to hear from people and I think Joshy Joshy Cockham can probably start he's done one in our podcast before and it was funny when he first started and yeah I, I know he won't mind me saying this but I think it was about his second paycheck when he was allowed to and he quickly went straight onto the internet, straight to his bank and got a car loan straight away for a new Skyline. <laughs> um, and he's paying more in the, he's paying more in insurance than he was for the repayments of the car. Um, just being a fresh 18 year old. And uh, he's laughed about that, that on a podcast before. So hopefully he can write his story as well. But yeah, I'd love to hear from some of our clients on some of the mistakes that they've made.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear it. So look, if, you, if you're listening and you've got some bad stories, we'd love to hear them.
0: <laughs> Matty, again, I appreciate you coming on. And as I said, Tony, Tony thought he'd take too much time in this podcast um, talking about his cars, and uh, mistakes in the past. But um, look, we learn. Uh, we like to learn from others. And, you know, the, the more that we learn and, and, you know, listen to people's mistakes, um, the more that we can share that information.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. But, um, yeah, thanks for today, Jamie. Um, we'll- I'm sure we'll chat later on.
0: Sounds good. See you, Matt.
1: See ya.